everyone. Uh, welcome back to the podcast this week. I uh, hope everyone's been having a good week. So uh, I'm Brendan Valentine uh, here this week with Dan Draper and Hope Goodrell. And uh, we're really excited to talk to you this week. We're going to we have a fun main topic. We're going to be talking about uh, adaptations. Uh, but before we get to that, we have a fun little opening question for you. So this week, we wanted to kind of to get to know like the new hosts since we're all still getting used to the podcast. Um, are going to answer a question like at the beginning of each week. And this week's question is, if you had to choose which element you could bend from the Avatar series, which element would you bend? Um, so I think we'll have Hope start it off if you want to. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Hope Goodrell. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, so I will admit, I don't watch Avatar. I might have seen like one or two episodes if a friend was like, hey, this show is really cool. Um, but as far as any element that I would like to bend would definitely be water. Um, I absolutely love going to the beach or going to a pool. Um, I'm definitely a person who wants to live by water, be in water all the time. Uh, I'm energized by water. So I feel like that would definitely be a good uh, choice for elements of what element I would like to bend if I was an avatar. All right. Uh, I guess I'll go next. And after that, hi, I'm Dan. Um, I think like I've, I have actually seen Avatar. So I know there's like a correct answer and it's, it's definitely earth. Earth bending is broken in Avatar between like, between the shows, like both shows and um, like any comics, like earth bending, you literally Avatar Kyoshi just made herself live longer because of earth bending. She lived to be like 250, I think. So there's that. There's also du- subsets of it. You can even you can lava bend, which is crazy. Like it's basically just fire bending, except you it's through earth, so it's easy. And then also there's um, metal bending, which you is explored a lot in Legend of Korra, and that that stuff you just can't lose. I think earthbending is broken and it's not even close with the other ones, but that's just me. I'm just going strictly based off power level. No, that's fair. Honestly, that's, that's not an argument I really considered, but now that you've said that you might, you haven't changed my mind right now, but I will think about it a little bit more. Um, So for me, when I finished originally watching uh, Avatar, the last airbender, I was like, Oh, firebending all the way. Cause I like lightning bending. But after I watched Korra, it's changed my mind. I would definitely want to be an airbender. Um, after watching Zaheer, if you haven't seen Korra, sorry, minor spoilers, I will not spoil the whole thing, but after seeing the season three villain, which happens to be an airbender, um, I was like, no, I definitely would want to be to airbend because unlocking that like ability of flight to just being able to like float around would be insane. And then the one thing that I always like try to remember when watching the show is they animate the air so like we can see it. But like, if you were really airbending, people would not be able to see you moving the air around. So you could be so sneaky with that. And that's the thing that kind of like had me like when I was thinking with firebending, I'm like, you know, cool, create fire out of thin air. But I'm like, but with airbending, you know, air is usually everywhere. Also, he takes the air out of the Earth Queen's lungs. That's I mean, that's a spoiler, but I mean, it's a cool one. That that was a cool literally literally airbends the air out of her lungs. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What? My theory with the elements, too, is like. (laughs) because of like the gray areas it's it's actually like states of matter not like elements but we won't get into that today's episode isn't about avatar okay so, i do have a quick question because you guys were talking about like powers and like dan was talking about lava bending and all that so with water because humans are like 70 percent water watch the show right? watch the show before yeah. you finish that it does, watch the that show <laughs> Yeah, we know exactly where you're going. Every, every <laughs> element has its subset, and that's that's one of them. Except for air. Air you can't really do much with. Um, I mean, the flight ability, I guess. Yeah. He also, um, well, spoiler, I can't get into it. Lots of spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no, the, there's a couple of, couple of things. But all right, so then I think we're going to move on to our next part. Uh, just see what kind of geek news is going. Um, so, Dan, do you, do you have anything to bring up on that front yeah i just had one thing that i saw this past week uh oscar isaac was confirmed to be playing moon knight that got confirmed i thought it was just a rumor no it was confirmed they had rumors going around of like other people who were gonna be it the oscar isaac i think was confirmed to be playing moon knight who uh, for those of you who don't know aren't too familiar with the comics like i 
<clears throat> I haven't read any like Moon Knight comics myself, but to my basic understanding, he's basically like that uh, Marvel's uh, Batman. Like, I mean, everybody like compares like Iron Man and Batman, but like this guy, he, this guy's like literally like Batman. Like he throws like moon rings instead of batarangs. So like, and he's just he doesn't really have powers. He has like a costume. So yeah, that should be really cool. I like Oscar Isaac. And um, I was pulling for Keanu Reeves for that one. I thought that would have been really funny. But Oscar been... Isaac, definitely a good choice and definitely more longevity, I think, than Keanu Reeves in the role. Yeah, plus he's already kind of integrated into Disney with, you know, the Star Wars sequels, which I I enjoyed Oscar Isaac and I think he was one of the better parts of it. Sure, his character writing wasn't great, but his acting was pretty good. And I think he'll do a good job. Mm-hmm. Hope you got some stuff for us. Yeah, I do. I have a few different things. Um, so one, there is a new um, Marvel series on Hulu called Hellstorm. Um, yeah, I I like just saw a um, trailer for it on YouTube, and it is on Hulu, and it's got like 10 episodes. Um, what IMDB says for it right now is Damon and... Anna Hellstorm are the son and daughter of a mysterious and powerful serial killer. The siblings have a complicated dynamic as they track down uh, the terrorizing worst of humanity, each with their attitude and skills. And it looked really interesting, but also like dark. So I was like, ooh, do we get to see a dark side of Marvel? Um, so that is something that I'm definitely going to check out. If anyone's a Marvel fan, I would definitely go check that out um oh hellstrom okay hellstrom sorry i said you're good um the other thing um going off of marvel is filming has started for spider-man 3 in atlanta Woo! um you know if you guys were here last week listening to our podcast we talked a lot about that um so yeah tom holland posted uh on his instagram story showing the ipad that held the script to which, of course, he broke the um, case for the iPad. Fantastic. Good job, Tom Holland. Um, he says that he learned his lesson the last time he spoiled things and that he's not going to do it again. I don't think that's true because it's Tom Holland and he always finds a way to spoil things, whether he realizes it or not. Or Disney will turn it into like a marketing campaign. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like what they did with uh, the Avengers endgame poster i believe it was um and then for any musical lovers especially if you love the musical wicked the movie which was supposed to come out like four years ago has been pushed again um so it was going to be released next year december but it is now later universal has not said when they're having it um but i guess it's making way for sing 2 so i guess there's a sequel to that cute film i don't know how they're gonna make a sequel to sing to but they're doing it so yeah that's my geek news interesting i actually 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 have one more piece of geek news i totally forgot about but you reminded me with that talking about delays um cyberpunk 2077 the most anticipated game i've ever seen ever got delayed for the third time and at this point i'm convinced it's not actually going to come out i don't think it's real anymore but it was crazy because at first, when they first set a release date, they put for, I think, like April 10th or something. So like months ago. And then they delayed it to November. Or actually, they think they delayed it to September. And then they delayed it to November. And now they're delaying it until the holiday season. So it won't be out until December 10th. So, uh, yeah, that game, who knows when it's going to happen. Well, as a Mass Effect fan, a delay is always better than a rushed release like we got with Mass Effect Andromeda. So, um, I don't know. Delay to me is always, it's, you know, bad news, but take it with a grain of salt because it means they're actually putting effort into your game that you want to see. See, I I wouldn't be upset with the delay, but they keep giving dates and then they just say, never mind. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, but at least they have like a date and then like it gives you something to look forward to. Right. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I I'm tr- trying to look on the bright side of it. No, I, feel I just bad feel bad too. for the people who like keep requesting off days from work, and then also they have to go to their boss and say, "Hey, 
I actually, I need different days off now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. I guess you should wait until like the month before then just to make sure that it's the actual day before or we're time they off. Don't give dates they can't hold. That's fair. <laughs> or you just, you're ambiguous to your boss. Hey, I'm going to need a day off when Cyberpunk 2077 eventually releases. Yeah. Who knows that but, when that's going to be. And then hope related to your wicked news, Defying Gravity has come on when I pitched Shuffle a couple times the past few days. So that's when you said that, I'm like, oh. I've been in a wicked mood recently, but um, my, uh, my geek news real quick um, for those of you who have watched um, Amazon primes, the boys uh, season three, season two just wrapped up and it was really, really good, but they've had minor season three news. Um, the piece of news that we got was the actor who plays the main character or one of the main characters, uh, Homelander, who is the, um, if you haven't seen the show, he's, he's the villain. Um, even though he looks like he's supposed to be the hero. Um, but the words he used to describe his character in season three are homicidal maniac, which makes me extremely excited because it's been teased in these past seasons that he's kind of going to go off the deep end. So I think they're finally going to do it. Yes. Um, so that was, that was super exciting. Um, also, at the time of filming this podcast, we are about, I think, six hours away, seven hours away from the uh, release of the Mandalorian season two on Disney plus. So if you're a star Wars fan, uh, get hyped for that. I'm sure we'll be talking about that soon in the future. Once it comes out, we can give a quick review of it. Uh, talk about highs and lows of the season, even though I, I predict, you know, very few lows, the season one set a pretty good precedent. Um, and then my last bit of geek news was, um, this past week, uh, the second part of the Pokemon sword and shield DLC got released the crown tundra. Um, so far I've heard some pretty positive reviews on it. Uh, the consistent one consistent negative thing I've heard is that legendary Pokemon are too easy to catch, but that has been a um, pretty consistent critique of the most recent, you know, past two, three generations of Pokemon games. So not surprised, but everyone says, you know, it's worth getting. And if it's this new era of DLC with Pokemon games, you know, uh, a good first batch is not a bad thing. So the new, raid, the new raid system looks really cool for that. I've seen, like, you can That's, go with your friends and get, like, you just, like, go through a path and you find a legendary at the end. It seems pretty cool from what I've seen. Yeah, people, like, enjoy the process. They're just, like, kind of wish it was more difficult because, like, mm-hmm. I've, I've had it for two days and I have them all. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Um, all right. So from after news, we're going to just get right into our main topic. So today we're going to be talking about our favorite and least favorite adaptations. Just in general, this isn't like anything specific. So it could be a comic to a movie adaptation, a novel to a movie adaptation, a movie to a movie adaptation, um, a comic to a comic, book to book. Uh, We kind of like left it open format when we were putting this together. So um, I think we'll all start. We'll give our, our favorite adaptation of all time, have a quick discussion, and then move on to the next person. So, um, Dan, do you want to start us off with your favorite adaptation of all time? Yeah, I can go. Um, I don't know if this is, like, my favorite of all time, but I think it's a really good one that's worth bringing up. <clears throat> I kind of stuck, like, with movies today. And my fa- my favorite – or one of my favorite adaptations was Detective Pikachu. I think that was, like, a – like, I – wasn't exactly like faithful to um, the game Detective Pikachu, but I don't think it really needs to be. I think what I just wanted to see was a good video game to movie adaptation. And I think they finally got it for once because normally the formula has just been really bad in the past. You, you just get really bad movies that don't, that aren't complete and they just kind of rely on like the fan bases of like those games and i think detective pikachu does a good job of bridging that gap into like like being appealing to anybody even if you don't know like the pokemon series as like like any sort of extent and i think it's a really good job plus i mean it has ryan reynolds in it so you get that that appeal factor right there and i just think overall it's a really great movie and if you haven't seen it you really should there's really nothing that can get spoiled for you because like all the twists you can see coming like two miles away like you're not <clears throat> if somebody spoils it ahead of time you're not you're still gonna have a good time i think so uh, yeah go see detective pikachu when i saw in theaters it was it was a blast like it was a genuinely fun time at the movie uh-huh. um so although dan you use the word faithful like with adaptations like how important do you think like being faithful to the source material is 
especially like if Detective Pikachu is your favorite, because for me, it's a big deal, but I know it's like, it isn't for everyone. See, I think it depends. Cause like, like, how should I word this? If, if being faithful is going to make it bad, don't be faithful. Cause I think a really good example of this is you look at Thor in the Marvel movies and you look at Thor in the comics and there is a very distinct difference. Thor in the comics, he is not like this quippy, wisecracking, like goofball. But like, look at him in like Thor Ragnarok. He's kind of an idiot and it kind of works really well. So like, <clears throat> I don't know. I think that people shouldn't feel limited by their source material. I think if you see a change that makes sense, they should do it. But also they shouldn't avoid it altogether just because I think if something will work and you think it'll work between like the, the mediums, I think you should do it, but it don't feel like you have to, if it's going to be bad. <laughs> no, that, that's a really good point. Cause like we never would have gotten like bro Thor from Endgame in the comics. Like that would have never happened, but like that was one of my favorite parts of mm-hmm. Endgame. That was great. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and then speaking of, like, video game uh, to movie adaptations, what did you think of the Sonic movie if you saw it? I haven't got the chance to see it. And that okay. makes me, it makes me really sad because I wanted to dunk on that movie really hard. I, <laughs> I heard every, really every good things I about saw. it. See, I, what, I'm really sad that things ended up the way they did because I really wanted them to stick with the bad, like, just the terrible-looking Sonic. Because then I could go to that movie, and if it's bad, I can laugh ironically. But now if I go and I see the Sonic movie, and Sonic looks good, but the movie's bad, I'm just sad now. Because they think Sonic looks great, and the movie is just terrible. <laughs> I think you're safe. From, oops, sorry. I was going to say, wasn't that from like fans saying that they wanted Sonic to look better? So like the creators were like, okay, well, if it'll make you see the movie... Yeah, that happened, but I'm not surprised that it happened. I'm definitely glad it did. Cause did you see what like the original like Sonic uh, like CGI mess looked like? It was terrible. It looked like it something creepy. out of my nightmares. They're like anatomically correct Sonic. I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. That's let's not give, what makes Sonic Sonic. Let's give Sonic a human smile. That'll look good. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's like all the uh, live action Stitch renditions that I have been seeing that they're like, yeah, Disney's going to make a live action Stitch. And I'm like, that Stitch is creepy. He's supposed to look cute and cuddly because, you know, he's trying to get adopted and that Stitch is not getting adopted. (laughs) You know, big, bulky, muscly Stitch. Not a thing. For that, they could always, like, at the beginning when he has, like, the forearms make him, like, that weird creepy thing. And then he does his little, like, shapeshift part. And they're like, oh, huh. what does he say at the end of the first movie when um, Gantu's, like, you know, oh, also get rid of him. Cute and, then, and cuddly. Oh, yeah. Cute and fluffy. Like that one. <laughs> also cute and fluffy. There we go. I wrote that. So, yeah, you need that. You need that aspect of Stitch. So, all right, a little off topic, but uh, Hope. <laughs> What is your favorite um, adaptation of all time? Okay, well, like, I want to point out that there are a bunch of adaptations out there that people might not know. Now, granted, a lot of the adaptations that I said are all book to movie or TV show. Um, but so first, the movie The Da Vinci Code is actually a book by Dan Brown, but it's the second in the series. Um, and Angels and Demons, which is the first book, is the second movie. Um, another one, 13 Reasons Why was also a book. So people who get mad about the TV show being made need to go read the book first. Um, Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime, if anyone's a fan. There's a book series by Tom Clancy. Although the Jack Ryan in the books is set like back during the Cold War era. And he actually becomes president at one point, like vice president and the president's killed. And then he becomes president and then elected president um, but so the Amazon Prime is just kind of loosely based on the character. Um, really, well, not really old. Like this was 16 years ago, which is kind of really old. Uh, but the movie Ella Enchanted with Anne Hathaway was also originally a book. 
Um, but as far as like my favorite adaptation would either be um, the Shadowhunters TV series or the Narnian Chronicles, any of the Narnian movies, um, which now granted Narnia books are, you know, yay big and big words, like font size. But honestly, like for how little detail uh, C.S. Lewis actually put into those books about what Narnia looks like, um, watching the movies, like I was, even as a little kid, I was like, yep, that's what Narnia looks like. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, and they really didn't even stray that far from characters either. Like they stayed true to the characters. And I really liked that part. Um, so Shadowhunters was um, a TV series that was based off the Mortal Instruments book series by Cassandra Clare. Um, and it was actually a lot closer to the books uh, than the movie was, at least that's what I heard. I will be honest, I'm not a fan of Lily Collins and she was in the movie and I was like, I can't watch this. Um, but I mean, they did have some parts where I was like, wait, why are you doing that now? Um, but they just basically had to reframe some stuff. Um, but honestly, it wasn't too far from the book series. And I thought that was pretty good about it. Um, but yeah, so either Narnian series or uh, Shadowhunters. Um, did you ever read all of the Narnia books? Yes, I read all of them in order. So not in publishing order, which is how the movies were made. Um, mm -hmm. I did it based on chronological order, um, which is how you'll find most of the books in the box sets is yeah. one, two, three. Um, but I did read all of the books and I'm waiting for them to make more Narnian movies because the whole reason they stopped was they lost the rights for it. But I think that's coming up soon that they should be able to get the rights back. Um, but then they'd kind of have to like redo some of it because if they want to continue with the story or if they just want to redo it completely. Um, so if they do redo it completely, which book would you be looking most forward to being adapted? Um. If they redid it completely, I'd kind of like to see, I mean, just start back at number two again. I mean, they could, I personally having the, um, so it's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, and Voyage of the Dawn Treader that are, became movies. Mm -hmm. um, I would actually like to see the first book. Um, Me too. Because like that gives how Narnia was created and like the whole lamppost thing. And I think that would be so cool to do that and to show like, especially now with um, like effects, movie graphics and everything being what they are. Like I think doing the whole pond area where like they have to, they went to the different worlds. I think that would be so cool to do. And mm -hmm like showing how things just sprouted up because they put it down like the lamppost it just grew roots yeah for those of you who haven't read like the first like who have seen the narnia movies but haven't like read the books the first book gives like a lot of context to like you know um wh like where aslan came from like what narnia is where um where it came from how the wardrobe even works and a lot of like in world stuff you're like as a kid you're probably just like oh fun like this is just how the world is but like actually reading the book and as like someone who's really big into world building that book for me was like holy crap that makes the second book so much better well and like i'm gonna say this too the white witch for me was kind of like the wizard in wizard of oz because like she doesn't actually have supernatural powers but because mm -hmm. she's able to like harness the magic of a new world and new universe that she's able to just create whatever she wants and it's kind of like you know wizard and wizard of oz he doesn't actually have magic but he's able to get the effects in and to pretend mm -hmm. he's all powerful and yeah I'm so I, I enjoyed the what? i'm trying so hard to remember everything about this because <clears throat> when i was growing up i read all the books and i watched all the movies and then my mind is just drawing the biggest blank right now it's probably been over a decade since okay. I have seen anything remotely related to Narnia. Well, and like the first book isn't even um, 
the original characters. I mean, you have one because it's um, the professor is was actually there when Narnia was created, which is why, like, at the end of uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, like, he's like, oh, you went into the wardrobe, and they're like, there's nothing there. He's like, mm, but there is. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, you know, he was there at the beginning, and and they actually, like, talk about the different ways that they got to the pools um, to create the different universes. Oh, by the way, if you haven't read the book, pools, basically, it's, like, multiverse yeah. theory type stuff. They're, like, portals. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and they go through a couple different portals before they finally land on the Narnian one. And it, But, yeah, I think definitely they should do that one because then that would just build on the Narnian universe. And then if they had to make one more, I'd definitely say the very last book, because then we could get all the actors from the original back. I'm not going to spoil because... No. That, oh. If you haven't read oh, the Narnia books and have any excuse oh. to go read them, definitely worth it. Yes. So I think we should uh, get moving on to our next... What are, um, what's yours? You didn't talk about what your favorite adaptation That's is. what I'm getting to. Okay. So if you haven't noticed the theme with my Zoom background and my Red Wings Batman shirt, my favorite adaptation is Batman related. Um, and I think the best adaptation of anything to anything all time of all time is Batman the Animated Series. Um, and that's not just the nostalgia factor of that being like a staple of my like childhood viewing habits. But um, I actually wrote a seven page paper in a class over the summer about why Batman the Animated Series is the best comic book adaptation of all time. Um, so I won't go on and like read you the paper, but I'll give you the gist. Um, so I'm a, a comic book fan. And when I got into comics, it was mostly Bronze Age Batman comics that I got into. Like, and the big stories, like Long Halloween, um, I guess Dark Knight Returns is in there, um, and Killing Joke are like things that I really got into. And when watching the series, I could still see the parallels between like that Batman from Bronze Age and all like his rogues gallery, the Joker, um, as, as like the big villain, especially in Killing Joke. Um, and I could see those parallels there, but it wasn't quite as like dark and gritty. Um, so you still had that, um, if you're familiar with like the different like versions of Batman from the different eras, you could kind of see parallels of Batman from the golden age where it's like this gritty crime fighting, like the most human superhero of the time. Cause you also had like Superman, but he wasn't like, he was an alien, literally wasn't human. So like Batman, Bruce Wayne um, was like, I guess more down to earth, even though like he is a billionaire, but um, then you also had the silver age stuff, which is, was a little more tame, um, which you had to have as like a children's show, but it's still, I rewatched it as I guess I'll call myself an adult, but, um, and like, it's still like ridiculously fun to watch. Um, it's like, it is funny, but it also has like that, the dark gritty atmosphere of Batman. Um, but what I think like, besides just being like a faithful adaptation, but mixing the different eras of Batman, it also kind of was innovative as well. Like a lot of the stuff that I feel gets made from comic books, it's like reiterating these stories and isn't necessarily doing something like incredibly new with it. But I felt like the Batman, the animated series, as much as it was impacted by the comics, it's impacted like the whole idea of Batman. Um, I feel like watching Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, there's a lot of like, a lot was drawn from Batman in the animated series. Like, this is what people like about Batman. I'm going to put this in my movies and put my own twist on it. And heck, even the character of Harley Quinn, which is like a mascot for DC now, was created in the Batman the animated series show. Like, just as she was supposed to be just like a one-off character. And now she's in movies every year, has her own DC Universe show, and is, you know, pretty much a household recognizable name. If you haven't seen Batman... I didn't realize she originated from the series. I could have... Oh, yeah. I thought she was a comic book thing through and through. Nope. Her first appearance in the comics didn't come to like a couple of years after she showed up in the show. That's crazy. It was, I know. Like you, you think of how she, how big she is now. She was supposed to literally just be a one-off character, just like a goon. And then people are like, Oh, that's kind of fun. And now um, she's become her own character. And then if you haven't seen the Joker has a new girlfriend. Um, well, in the she comics. dumped him right. in like uh, suicide squad, the movie, um, few years ago she like dumped him because she realized what an ass he was 
Uh, well, that's happened several times. Um, very unhealthy relationship, not the greatest. That's always been really weird. Um, and that's one of the, actually the darker points of Batman the Animated Series because like they don't necessarily shy away from showing that like the Joker is a domestic abuser. Like it's not, they're not like, I mean, it is still a children's show, but like it's it's pretty dark, especially looking back at it as an adult, getting the whole context. Like that's like, you, th- you know, the Joker's a villain, but like he's a, a bad guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You so. don't realize how much of an actual villain he is. Exactly. Like um, one of my favorite Dr. Doom moments, I know we talked about him last week was in one of the comics um, in Marvel comics, nine 11 happened mm-hmm. and Dr. Doom worked with the Avengers to like a lot of villains did, but like Dr. Doom was like, man, these guys are just awful. And I'm like, okay, that <laughs> like, as much as he's a villain, like you see, he's not the worst. Like he's a, there's a little bit that you can redeem. Joker is not like that at all. So that I think that's kind of what makes Joker like a good villain though, because like he is just the all around bad guy and like no redeemable qualities. So you want to hate him. Like you kind of mm-hmm. like him because you're like, yes, you're a really good bad villain. But like you're also just like, I hate you because you're so evil and oh, vile. He's just awful. I will say but... though, really quick rant there. Um that Heath Ledger is my favorite Joker of all time. I had nightmares. Um, and I, cause I watched that movie in the dark at like midnight. Yeah, that was not a smart move. Um, but so to ask you, Brendan, like, would you definitely say that um, you would choose the animated series over Christopher Nolan or any live action? Batman if that's or... the only Batman I can ever consume, yes. Um, also, Mark <laughs> Hamill as the Joker, like, killed it. I know for a lot of people, as, like, Mark Hamill will always be Luke Skywalker, but for me, like, hearing his voice, I'm like, that's the Joker. Like, Which... and I feel like that series also, like, the voice actors, like, they made the, like, de- they're the definitive voice. Um, Mark Hamill is the Joker. Why mm-hmm. am I drawing a blank? Who voiced, uh, Kevin Conroy voiced Batman. Like, and he is Batman. And in my head, like as much as everyone else, like doing the I'm Batman voice, I'm like, it's not, it's not the same as Kevin. You're saying Michael Keaton is not your Batman. I love Michael Keaton. I love those movies, but like, like, have you watched Batman, the animated series? No. Okay. I will be honest. Uh, I don't remember the like season and episode, but like where he does like his most iconic line where he's like, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I'm Batman. I'm like, that gave me chills. And that is good. That's impressive for a kid's show. Like, so, I, I, my, the reason Batman the Animated Series is my favorite is like, I feel like it's, it's definitive Batman and Batman's one of my favorite heroes. So Lego Batman doesn't give you the same chills when he says Not that? the same, but I also enjoy Lego <laughs> Batman. Like, the movie is fun. Like, it's, it's hard to go wrong with Batman, even in that context. Um, Lego Batman movie, honestly, it might be one of my... One of the Batman adaptation or just like Batman interpretations, I should say, that I enjoy the most. I thought the movies, it was dumb funny. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to go on like a huge like rabbit trail about Lego Batman the movie. I just wanted to chip in that it's it's pretty good. I enjoy yeah. it. And Will Arnett did a great job as <laughs> as Batman. I thought that yeah. was that was very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess shifting here from like very positive stuff. Um, looking uh, at more of the negative side of adaptations, because unfortunately sometimes, uh, like Dan alluded to with all of the video game movies, um, not all adaptations are good. <laughs> and some adaptations are like, we just want to like, you know, get the fan service. You know, this is a recognizable title. We want to pull this in. Um, so I guess I can start on this one too. Um, Dan, when I asked you earlier, how important is like faithfulness to, um, the source material to you. Um, my answer is like, it's, it's very important. It's like, if not the most important, like definitely in like the top three of most important things when considering an adaptation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I'm, this is one of my favorite shows of all time, but as an adaptation of its source material, it's not great. It's um, if any of you have seen the show Lucifer on Netflix, it's actually an adaptation of the comics of the same name. Um, Lucifer was originally introduced in Neil Gaiman's Sandman comics. Um, and then he got his own spinoff series and now the Netflix show. And it looks so different. 
like I went and I saw the show first and then I went back and read some of the comics. I'm like, I enjoy the comics. Like the, um, one of the arcs was, it's called the morning star arc in, in the, the gist of it is like Lilith, like, I don't, I didn't read some of the comics before, but Lilith has returned and is trying to take over heaven. Lucifer is trying to stop that from happening, but there's a bunch of other things going on. Um, but Lucifer is this like weird otherworldly, like, he does not live in LA and does not work with the LAPD at all in the comics. Like LA just isn't a thing. And he doesn't have the, like, he doesn't have the Tom Ellis swagger and accent. Like he's still like cool headed Lucifer, but it's not like Tom Ellis. And if you watch the show and read the comics, you would not be able to tell they're the same thing. And like, to me, faithfulness is important. And um, I loved Lucifer so much. And when I was reading, going to read the comics, I'm like, if, if this is the show, the comics must be great with all this like i was expecting him to be quippy and fun and like have all this stuff like all the like fun detective stories and then i read the comics i'm like this isn't it at all not the same thing <laughs> see i enjoy the show like i i didn't <clears throat> for right now i didn't know it was a comic that it was adapted because like um my girlfriend i'll be watch the show and i think it's a great i think it's great i think lucifer he's funny his interactions like in the, within the real world i think are hilarious and just like seeing just like the, just like the concept in itself, I think is really good. So I'd like to hear that it's like a less than faithful, I should say, adaptation is kind of is weird. Just like considering like like if you, if you say like both are good, but like the adaptation itself is bad. Yes, that, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. They're both good, and like the comics are worth the read, and the show's definitely worth the watch. But they're if you, I'm not saying if you like the show, you're not necessarily going to love the comics. And if you like the comics, you're not necessarily going to love the show because they're not quite the same thing. Because mm-hmm. um, what I, like you just said, what I love most about the show was um, like, just like kind of the weird premise of like the devil has decided to stop ruling hell and he's just going to hang out and own a club in LA and just kind of do whatever the heck he wants. Devil and has a like, retirement plan. Exactly. That's <laughs> hilarious. And then he starts solving murders with the LAPD. Perfect. That's, and I also like when it gets a little deeper, like the whole philosophical aspect of it too, like, is the, is the devil really evil or is the evil within us? And like this whole thing with it. And that like, when a show makes me like laugh and think at the same time, I'm like, perfect. What's the, what's the premise of the comics then? If it's not, you know, him crime solving. He's similar idea, not like crime solving, but like, there are supernatural problems like heaven and hell disputes um, disputes with other angels. Like um, as much as Amenadiel is like a big part of the show, not as big of a part in the comics, like literally every human character in the show, Dan, Ella, um, Charlotte Richards and Chloe don't exist in the comics. Hmm. So the, the premise of the comics is, Yes, Lucifer no longer wants to rule hell, but Lucifer is not crime solving with the LAPD. Like the first comic opens, it's again, him and Maze. I don't remember what city it is. It's been a while since I read that comic, but it's him and Maze going to do their thing. But then he goes and threatens a bookstore owner who knows he's the devil and is still doing devilish things. So it's it, it's good, don't get me wrong, but it's not quite the same thing. It still has a bit of that like philosophical debate that I liked from the show, which is what I uh, like to get out of the comic but it, it, i don't know it's weird Re- watching one and then reading the other i was like this is not what i was expecting and i feel like that's what kind of is always like put it in my head is like not the greatest adaptation so i'm definitely biased but i'm putting it out there yeah so that's interesting that's interesting that like both are good but just like it's just not the same at all yeah, good in different ways mm-hmm. all right so dan or hope do either of you want to go next um yeah i can i can go next so kind of going into like our little intro question we have with like the avatar stuff i'd say my example of a a bad i'm just gonna it's just it's bad is uh the avatar the last airbender movie actually didn't it didn't say avatar because rights stuff was going on because avatar blue people was released that same year but uh the last airbender by m night Shyamalan might be the worst thing I've ever seen ever. <laughs> it was <clears throat> it was terrible. The actors were terrible. The casting for the roles was terrible. The editing terrible. The CGI terrible. God awful. Just everything about this movie that he could have got wrong, he got exactly wrong. 
And the best part about it is that it was M. Night Shyamalan's vision unobstructed. They gave him full full creative liberties to do whatever he wanted to to make to translate Avatar the Last Airbender beloved TV show by all and put it into a movie and he got to do whatever he wanted and just butchered it. It is just the worst thing you've ever seen. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix and you really need to do yourself a favor and watch this movie because within 10 minutes, you will not want to watch it anymore. <laughs> watch it with a group and make fun of it. That's yeah, maybe the could, only way you can get through it. You could make a drinking game out of it. I'm sure. Anytime <laughs> you see something that's terrible, just drink. <laughs> Dude, you can get alcohol poisoning. For that, though. You can't yeah. do, it's like with the presidential debates, you know? You can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't do the drinking games. Do a, yeah. I'll donate 25 cents instead and then drink at the end. But yeah. with, Without getting political, though, just like <clears throat> the movie just... um. So, like, bending, like, as we talked about it earlier, it can be really cool. There's a lot of cool stuff that they do with it within the show. This, like, expressive, just, like, all the crazy stuff you can do, like, moving the terrain around you and stuff like that. And while it, tra- while it looks good in a cartoon form where you really have, like, limitless possibilities, it does not look so good in real life. Like, you were talking about earlier with airbending, like visually, like you can see it within the cartoon, but in real life, when Ang, or as they say in the movie, Ang, because they don't like pronouncing names correctly, when Ang throws air at somebody to knock them over, he moves his hand, and a couple seconds later, a guy gets hit, and it's just, it just visually doesn't look good. That was my biggest problem with the with the movie was the way they just kind of like changed the whole premise of it. Especially, like, you get the firebenders, they come in with, like, their kettles of fire, and they set them on fire, and then they move it. I'm like, no, like, firebenders can make fire, like, out exactly, of nowhere. Exactly. Like, I, I, that, I, I, I had that thing. same complaint. So what happened was, like, people told, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, it's like, hey, you know, firebenders, they're like, uh, along with airbenders, they don't need a source for, uh, for their bending. They can, they can create fire. And like in order to die in order to dial down on the power level of the fire nation, he said, nah, they need a campfire wherever they go to use their bending. And it's just like, and then it was a big deal at the end of the movie when Iroh like created fire. I'm like, no, the big deal is that he can breathe fire. Like in the show, that was, that was the thing. Yeah. That's like his nickname is the dragon of the West and he can breathe fire. And then in the show, that, in the movie, that nah. Also, Iroh just, looks is not as cool in the in the movie, and that's my biggest complaint because Iroh is like the coolest uncle you've ever met in the show. He's great, you love him, and then in the movie, he's just kind of not. I don't, then, I don't know the best way to describe it. That's no, fair. I have a quick question because uh-huh. I know that there are going to be people who you know, know the blue Avatar movie and don't know the other Avatar. So I, and because like, I'm also one of these people. No, I did not watch the blue Avatar movie either. Cause it just looked weird to me. Um, but so, okay. So I know there was the animated TV series. Was there a movie too? That was kind of a live action or no. So there's, you have your original series that's Avatar The Last Endeavor, three seasons of an animated cartoon show, cartoon series on Nickelodeon. A couple years later, you have one, you have the release of uh, Legend of Korra, which is a sequel animated series, four seasons of that. And at the, I believe at the same time, there's the release of the live action movie adaptation by M. Night Shyamalan of the show, the original okay. show. And then also right now, Netflix is in the process of making a live action adaptation TV show of Avatar. So that's that's everything that's Avatar related. Um, so Blue Avatar has nothing to do with the Avatar bending no. rope. That's, okay. that's James Cameron's vision through and through. I and don't understand what it is. And yeah, and he's working on the sequels for that now too. And taking he has all been of... for like ten years. I know. Yeah. I have no expectations but... anymore. Nobody cares about blue people avatar anymore. I haven't cared he... since it came out. And I he was had like, the guts to predict that it'll outsell Endgame and he'll get the top spot back. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no one. He cares. doesn't have 
he should have released the sequel like two or three years after when people still believed it was a cinematic spectacle. Now looking mm-hmm. back on it, it doesn't even look good. Like sure, That's it was fair. good for its time, but nobody cares anymore. That's a, it's a, mm-hmm. People only watched it because it was really cool at the time. Now it's that's like yesterday's news. Yeah, I mean, it's in the same vein as that, though, too. With the ending of the last Airbender movie, M. Night Shyamalan had the guts to end it on a cliffhanger where we see Azula. And I was like, and you think you're going to get the money for a sequel to this and are going to put that scene in where, like, you're saying, like, I'm I'm doing it. We're getting yeah. we're getting book two. I'm like, no, we're not. Like they could they could tease Azula in the TV series because they were guaranteed to tell their story through to the end. So they they knew they were going to see Azula, but instead, M. Night was like, this movie, people are gonna people are gonna like this movie. People are gonna like what I've done. People are gonna like when six air or Earthbenders do a little hoorah dance and then they summon one little pebble to go hit somebody. That's gonna be cool. Hey, yeah. don't knock the pebble because you know David and Goliath story. Come on, pebble knock yeah, down the giant. Yeah, but when in the show you could a, a single Earthbender can make their own island. Yeah, that's like uh, that's just a whole different thing. Yeah, it was so, rough. But anyways, it was rough. Anyways, oh. Last Airbender by M Night Shyamalan, very bad. Don't see it unless you want to laugh. Then see it. <laughs> it, it. It might be worth the laugh. So, Hope, don't what stress. is your least favorite adaptation of all time? Ooh. Okay, so, like, this is hard for me because a lot of times I'll go see a movie or something and I'm like, oh, that's really good. But then, you know, people later are like, it wasn't like the book or whatever. Okay, so I'm going to preface this with these were really good if they're on their own and not compared to their books. But if they're compared to their books, they're not that great. Um, I don't know if anybody has started to guess this, but... Percy Jackson series. So, um, which I'm also going to say the musical is fantastic and it's kooky and crazy and beautiful. There's a musical. There's a musical. There was a musical. It's an off-Broadway musical. It's called The Lightning Thief. Um, It was fantastic to watch. Of course, it was also a kid's show. So like all the adults are grumbling, yeah, that's not very good. And all the kids are like, it's awesome. It's kooky and great and you just have to like love it for what it is because it's low budget and stuff too and like at one point water they used leaf blowers and toilet paper to emulate water like splashing out it's great um but so definitely the um sorry my cat is next to me begging for attention and he's also scratching me so if i say ow that's why um my um but yeah, so the movies themselves were not that great to like start off with the first one. Like if you read the books, you know that Percy doesn't, nobody knows who Percy's godly parent is. And it's not until um, like Poseidon like puts a little symbol above his head that's like a trident. And he's like, yeah, he's my kid. After, you know, all this water th- stuff happens, like a... Uh, water fountain exploding the toilets exploding um and i mean like the other thing is age because these the characters are really only supposed to be like 11 or 12 years old and like to 16 at the most and i get like you know for musicals and movies it's hard to find young actors i do get that but also at the same time if you're gonna get older actors make sure that you're staying true to like hey, he's bullied and doesn't actually know his godly parent is not, here's this whole cabin for yourself with all of this awesome stuff because we know you're the son of Poseidon. No, the big three, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades, were not allowed to have kids. And that's part of the whole thing. It's because one of the big three had a kid. And so like, and like they tried to fix some of it in the second movie. Um, by bringing in like Clarice who was you know the bully in the first one Um, and like they tried to bring in um, like with Talia I mean they kind of had to with Talia because the whole point of Talia was that she was the Zeus turned into a tree and created the barrier around Camp Half-Blood and like the fact that Luke poisons her and the reason why the barrier is starting to fall apart, like you kind of have to bring in Talia anyways, but like, I don't, they just, 
there was a lot of character story and background that they didn't include, which was really frustrating to me. Um, but like I said, if you don't read the books, you know, the movies are great because you're like, oh, it's about Greek gods and half-bloods and all of that, and it's great. But if it's you're comparing it to the books, it's really not a good um like adaptation at all. So Yeah, I remember I remember as a kid being so disappointed by that movie because the like the um <clears throat> like the series was like <laughs> Every I feel like it was everybody's jam in like sixth grade, like middle school. Yeah. Like everybody loved those books and would watch them or and would read them. And um, so yeah, to see like the like pers- personally, I think the movie was like really bad. Like I know some people probably have like like some feelings towards it. I don't know. I just thought it was. I guess it was less bad as it was just like disappointing. You yeah. know, I can feel well, that. Like, that. I remember watching. No, go ahead, Brendan. I- Okay, I remember watching Sea of Monsters on a plane, and I was like, mm-hmm. eh, I could have picked a better movie to watch. Like, because <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I'm like, Lightning Thief was, because I think my biggest thing was like, they tried to go too fast. Mm-hmm. I was like, you could have taken your time, done it, like you said, all these other like character arcs, but they immediately tried to get to the Titans like right away. I'm like, that doesn't, like, that doesn't become like a serious threat to like book three. Like, yeah, they know, but like Easter eggs in movies is like super common. So, like, wait till later yeah but yeah. i feel like they just tried to get to that big threat really early and i was like it feels well, kind of rushed especially in comparison to the books in sea of monsters too what annoyed me was that annabeth used an ipad to find information about the golden fleece which like okay i get it we're in modern day but also they Gotta couldn't pay for the use- movie somehow well yeah. it was they couldn't use technology and phones because it drew the um monsters to them more it was like another homing beacon like their scent um i do i remember that yeah from the book yeah and i was like and annabeth was supposed to be like this really booky character and you know her area of athena's cabin was supposed to be like covered in books which i mean all of athena's cabin was covered in books but like hers was more so because she just wanted a quest and wanted to prove to her mother that she was worth it and like I don't know, to have them just like, oh, here's an iPad. You don't have to do any work. It's like the second or third one in. And like the other thing, Dan, you were talking about everyone reading it in sixth grade. Like these books were meant for kids like the Harry Potter series. Like, you know, Harry and Ron and, and Hermione are 11 years old, you know, when they start. And so it's made. it was supposed to be made for those kids. And then the movies just come in and you're like, well, great i don't have anyone to identify with anymore because they're all older in their 20s and i mean that's part of the reason why they stopped making the movies besides rick riordan and the entire fandom just going stop making these um because even rick riordan didn't like the movies (laughs) um but it was like you know the actors themselves were like guys we're getting too old to continue doing these stories like you can tell we're not teenagers anymore and mm-hmm. so i'm excited for the tv series on disney plus to come out i'm fairly sure it'll be on disney plus yeah that sounds it's like it. it it's a tv series and like rick riordan's actually supposed to be like part of the whole casting and everything and i'm like please let it be good in actual children as you know as much as like i'm like yeah i'm 23 and i should probably not be watching a show with you know 11 year olds in it but also i want something- stranger things was fun yeah. <laughs> just because it's cast with kids doesn't also mean- speaking of cast i'm looking at the cast of the movie i totally forgot that one sean bean was zeus and two oh, that yeah. uma thurman was medusa yep like oh what? yeah they had like a this is like a star-studded cast yeah, and like that, it, you know, so it, it got the movie to be good, but like. It had that potential, but. Stanley Tucci was Dionysus? Yeah. What? Wait, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he one, was Dionysus. That's, that's funny. Yeah. He, and yeah, Nathan Fillion was, was Hermes? Wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. yeah I'm just that's looking in the, the second cast. one. Like, like, they were perfect for it. Oh, yeah, that's good. Like, but like. And the I'm movies like, were just yes. terrible. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh. you know, it's like you were saying, Dan, with Avatar, you know, you had fans and everything saying no do this and then they're just like Psh, we know what we're doing i don't know i feel like hollywood needs to do more crowdsourcing 
for all this stuff. Um, but so I think we're getting close to our time. So before mm-hmm. we wrap up, Hope, do you have recommendations to give to the audience for this week? I do. Um, once again, I'm going back to Netflix because, I mean, we can't go anywhere and see anything. Um, so an old show, I don't remember when it was exactly put out, um, but it is quite slept on, especially now that people aren't watching it. Merlin on Netflix. Again, I'm going with King Arthur, um, but this show is fantastic. The quips between Merlin and Arthur are hilarious and adorable. Um, there's a definite bromance there that you see throughout the series that like Arthur tries to push off, but you know it's there. Um, and then I'm going again with a teen show, uh, Julie and the Phantoms. If you're a fan of any Kenny Ortega films, so yes, we're going Disney. It's uh, High School Musical series, um, Hocus Pocus, um, Descendants movies. If you like any of those or any other Kenny Ortega, he did a show called Julie and the Phantoms um, about a girl who meets some ghosts and they form a band that's called Julie and the Phantoms. Uh, and they do explain how the ghosts became ghosts and everything. And um, Cheyenne Jackson, who played Hades in Descendants 3, well he doesn't reprise Hades but there was one interview that was like yeah you're kind of like Hades in this role too because he's basically like overlord of ghosts and it is and he's fantastic as usual and so yeah I really recommend that one the music is fantastic and I jam out to it on my drive home so it's great sounds good Dan you got some recommendations for us this week yeah, I have a gaming-related recommendation. So, um, so it's been getting really popular recently. I guarantee it just it just came out like a month or two ago. Um, it's called Phasmophobia. It's a horror game that you can play with your friends. It's really cool. Yeah, I see now in your head. It's really cool. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, it was the developer team is literally just one guy who made it at his house, and it's a, I think it's like. Five, ten, fifteen dollars. I don't know. It's really cheap. It's on Steam. You should definitely buy it, support him, get it, and play with your friends. Um, it's really not like a super like scary game, but like you just work together, try and like figure out like like what kind of ghost the ghost is, find like clues and all that kind of stuff. It's really fun. I mean, if you turn off if you turn off your lights at night, it's like midnight. And you play with your friends. You might get a little spooked. But, uh, yeah, it's a good thing, especially with our little spooky season. Obviously, it might be past Halloween. Probably will be past Halloween by the time this comes out. But uh, definitely check it out. Play with your friends. It's a good time. If you have an active imagination, I know Dan said to play it at midnight with no lights and no one around you. Don't do it. Don't do it if you have animals either. I swear my cat has given me 10,000 more heart attacks when I watch or do scary stuff in the dark. Don't do it. I mean, it might be fun if you have, like, friends over. To, I'll like, play make it in sure. the dark for sure. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll wait for 2 a.m. just to, like, download and start. Like, my first experience has got to be 1 in the morning. I, I love horror stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. It's a good game if you enjoy awesome. horror stuff. Yeah, it's been on my radar, so I'll definitely have to start looking at it. Um, awesome. So, I've got a couple of recommendations, too. All of my things are uh, – I tried to be on theme when I was coming up with stuff. Um so all of thing, all these things are adaptations. So you can look at the source material or the adaptation. Um, just got to plug them again real quick. Uh, Batman, the animated series and Lucifer, both the comics and the show. Um, great. Uh, uh, Lucifer is on Netflix. Batman, the animated series is available on um, DC's DC universe subscription service. So if you have that, go for it. If not um, find someone that has it definitely worth the watch. If you haven't seen it, definitely worth the rewatch. If you haven't watched it in a while. Um, I mentioned this one too earlier in the news section, but if you haven't seen The Boys, that's on Amazon Prime, also um, adapted from comics. But um, if you're if you kind of like, I'm not going to say like dark humor, but like the show is really like gritty and unapologetic. Um, so if you have a if you have a weak stomach too, probably not um, ideal. But the show is fantastic, and it's a really good commentary on um, a lot of like social issues right now too. Um, I would also, also like to add the nudity in the boys a couple of times. Oh, yeah, I, it is definitely so. like rated R. So yeah. it's not, um, if, if you have small children at home, um, either lock your door or wait till they're not there. 
it's not something that, uh, you know, it's not for younger eyes. But also, if you have seen the HBO series Watchmen, um, that was a little more recent. But the Zack Snyder film that was based off of the comics that were released in the 80s, the comics are fantastic. The movie's a great adaptation. Um, I've only seen a couple episodes of the series, but I enjoyed it as well. Um, in my opinion, Watchmen's like one of the, the greatest storytelling arcs of uh, in recent history. So definitely good to look in on and on something less like um, sci-fi on a less of a sci-fi note. If you have, um, there's an autobiographical comic book I read over the summer called fun home by Alison Bechtel. That was adapted to a Broadway musical that was again, adapted to a film with uh, let's see who's in the cast of that one. There's a couple of names, but the only one I can think of right now, I believe Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. Um, but it's the story of the author's like life growing up um, in her household that has, um, I, I don't want to spoil it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things going on in there, but like, it's kind of telling her story and the way it was adapted. I thought it was really, really impressive kind of um, tackles some like personal and mental health issues too. So if it's something that's something that interests you definitely give it a look. Um, and all right, that is all the time we have for tonight and everything we had to talk about. So I hope you all really enjoyed this episode. I had a blast, you know, thinking about this stuff. Um, and we, this is us signing off for the evening. So I've been Brendan Valentine uh, with Dan Draper and Hope Goodrell, and we will talk to you all next week.